Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, reading from verse 25 through to verse 34. And permit me to read from a personal translation of that text from the Greek New Testament. Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Because of this, I am saying to you, stop worrying for your life, what you may eat or what you may drink, or for your body, what you may wear. Is not the, the life much more than food and the body more than apparel? Look into the circumstances of the birds of the heavens, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather in barns. And your heavenly Father nourishes them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by worrying, is able to add unto your age one cubit? And concerning apparel, why are you worrying? Observe the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither labor nor spin. But I am saying to you, not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed as one of them. And if the grass of the field, which today are here and tomorrow are being cast into the furnace, God thus clothed, will he not much more clothe you, literate ones? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For these things the Gentiles are seeking, or the nations are seeking, for your heavenly Father knows and continues to know that you have need of these things. But continue to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry concerning tomorrow, for tomorrow shall worry for itself. Sufficient is the day, the day's evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Thank you, Holy Father, for the opportunity to minister your word once again. I pray in the name of Jesus, your Son, for your inspiration. May your Holy Spirit anoint me for this task. I pray, O oh God, that you will comfort your people through this word. You will convict our hearts and you will carry us in the path that we should walk, that we might hear as we listen. This is the way. Walk there ye in. Father, bind Satan that he will not be able to frustrate the preaching of your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Today's topic is how to face an uncertain future as we begin a new year, still new, even though it's the, the 21st. And the anxiety of engaging a new year, particularly in a context that is so troubled and uncertain in the global, in the global scene. Once upon a time, things will be happening in the rest of the world 
and it doesn't bother us. But now we live in a global village and it can happen half away around the world and it feels like next door. And so they, with this kind of anxiety, one wonders, you know, how do we go forward? How do we navigate life? Of course, in a recent survey, fear and anxiety seem to loom very large. You know, the anti-anxiety drugs are falling off the shelf on rapid and one wonders, what does the word of God say to us as it regards to this issue of worry and anxiety? When I was a young boy, I grew up in very harsh circumstances, socioeconomically, and I uh, gave my heart to the Lord at age 17. I remember one day, I was reading my old Gideon New Testament. So I, I'm sure you remember the Gideon movement. They would go into schools and uh, into hotels and give away these Bibles. And they would give away these small Bibles. I had one. It had become so tattered. I had it before I gave my heart to the Lord. And I used to be kind of ashamed of it because it was so bad looking uh, that I fold it to hide the tear on the covers and put it in my pocket. And I remember one day I, I was somewhere and I grabbed it and began to read and came across this text. Of course, when I read the text, I couldn't believe what I was reading because what this text was, and was saying to me was that my life that was so filled with challenge was not any longer my worry. What? Nope. Do not worry. And I've come to the place in my life where it is not that things do not go wrong, but that when they do go wrong, I have this assurance that I can trust God with my life, no matter what. And I commend to you these steps on facing an uncertain future, however dark or daunting it may seem. Of course, uh, Maslow hierarchy of needs puts physiological needs as the most basic. And people, the, the things they worry about, you know, physiological needs are at the top of the list. But I want to present to us that worry is a counterproductive approach to facing life's uncertainty. In fact, according to this, this text, it's harmful than more than helpful. I have three things on my list. The first thing I want to commend to you as a way to engage life's uncertainty from this text is that we have to conclusively eliminate worry from our lives. If we are going to enter 2024 with all its uncertainties, with all its challenges, with all its difficulties, personal and otherwise, we have to let go of worry. Because medically, it is proven that worry is dangerous. Amen? And Jesus, as he spoke to this crowd, 
beginning at this aspect of the text, says, stop worrying. Now, I know you have in your text, do not worry. But when you read it in the Greek New Testament, he says it in a way to indicate that the people to whom he was preaching were indeed worrying as an attitude. Now, the connection between the last set of teachings, verse 19 to 24, and this teaching is one that is very significant. Because you see, in the previous set of teachings, which um, Brother Hodges will tell you is called a pericope, he challenged the crowd to not store up treasures in this world. Remember? He told them, do not lay up treasures in this life. He said, you need to choose who you will serve because you cannot serve a God and the God of money. And then it is here. After he told them that, he says, because of this, because of what I just told you, I am saying to you, stop worrying. Do not lay up treasures in this world. Do not worship the God of money. Stop worrying. Why is this so significant? You see, Jesus was speaking on the Sermon on the Mount. I had the privilege of going where it is said that he spoke. It's a, a ravine. Um, it's not a mountain, actually. It's a valley-like place, and it has an amphitheater-like effect. So the, when the crowd sat before him, he sat with them, and he spoke, his voice carried, and he was talking to them about life, kingdom life. Amen. And right here, he got to this section where he realized how they were navigating life. Because you see, at that time, these people, which were said to be the populace or the Amaharets, they are called, were struggling under the Roman occupation. The Roman government had their boots, proverbial boots, on their necks. You had the abject poor and the, the awfully rich. And there was no middle class. And these people were struggling. And Jesus was trying to explain to them how a walk in the kingdom would be different from how they are seeing life. And he says to them these enduring, comforting, encouraging words, stop worrying. The word to worry here is merimnate. Merimnate. This really describes the state of the people's mind at that time. This aspect of the discourse, as I said, fall in the Sermon on the Mount, and it was addressed at the disenfranchised. But I believe that it is addressed to all of us. Because sometimes worry does not come to those who are less fortunate. It comes to those who are so fortunate that we are worrying about losing what we have. Jesus' statement here, I want us to re realize, first of all, is a command. This seems to suggest that worry is not inevitable, but it is volitional, and therefore it is an imperative to stop worrying. In other words, for those of us who go through struggles, 
and tell ourselves, Pastor, listen, you do not understand. Your bread is buttered two sides. You have it all good. And I have to worry. Jesus is saying, not so. It is not necessary to worry. He said, Pastor, what are you saying? When Jesus speaks of worry here, the use of this word merimnao or merimnate means to have an anxious concern based on apprehension about possible danger or misfortune. Jesus commands that the people not only stop laying up treasures on earth, but stop leading a life constituted by this anxiety. As for the Maslow model, the human being is primarily concerned about physical, the physical self. But Jesus is saying one should be concerned, not be so concerned to the point of worrying one's self sick. And you all know that this is true because worry leads us into different things. It leads to depression. And before you know, acute depression leads to a psychosis. And then that struggle. Yes, life is rough in many respects, whether we are rich or poor. But worry is not the answer. Let it go. Jesus commanded these people, let it go. How about you this morning? Are you worrying? It's time to let it go. Give it to God. The second thing I commend to you as you face an uncertain future is that not only are we to conclusively eliminate worry from our lives, but we need to carefully observe God's faithfulness in our environment and trust that faithfulness. Carefully observe God's faithfulness in our environment and trust that faithfulness. The Bible says the heaven declares the glory of God and the firmament show it forth forth is handy work. Brothers and sisters, God is still at work. No matter how difficult life becomes from whatever sphere of life, God is not sleeping. So in order to strengthen his argument, Jesus draws attention to focus on God's dependable and capable care. Focus on God as a dependable and caring provider. Look back at the text with me. He tells them, stop worrying about your life, what you will eat or drink or your body, what you will wear. Is not life much more important than food? And the body then apparel. Then he says to them, and I'm going to come back to that second, that last piece there later. But he says to them in verse 26, look into the circumstances of the birds of the heavens that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather in bonds, and your heavenly father nourishes them. Are you not more valuable than they? What a question. And it's a question that we should ask ourselves when we face the uncertainties of life. 
Whatever is happening in the world, we are, we are made in God's image. We have a crown of God's creation and he cares about us. Look into the circumstances of the birds of the heaven. That word look there is intensive form of the usual word for look. Blepo is usually the, the regular word, but it's emblepo that is used there. It means you should look attentively on something. Fix one's gaze on something. It means to give careful consideration or attention. I want you to realize, too, that this is the second command. The first was stop worrying. The second is look around you at what God is doing. You see, part of the problem is that we have become so engaged in this contemporary existence that we forget that the world did not create itself. It was God who created it and we are not deists in our philosophy to think that God made the world and left it to function by itself. According to the book of Hebrews, Jesus gets up every morning and runs the world. You look at me like, what is he saying? Yes, he is running the world. And Jesus is trying to get us to see that and uses the birds as an example. I'm running the world. Why do you think you need to run your own lives? Or you can run your own lives. Pastor Arson will tell you that this is written in what is called the aorist tense, which means a tense of disposition. In other words, rather than saying continue to look, he's saying have a, have a, a disposition of observation. Don't miss what's going on around you. There is something to be said in the middle of our problems and challenges to walk in the woods and over the mountains and by the stream, even when it's cold, to see the glory of God. He's not absent. What should we focus on with the birds? Notice he says, look at the birds because there is no sowing there is no reaping. There is no gathering. Sounds like what we do, right? We sow. We work. We reap. We bring the results from what we have worked. And then we gather. We store what we have received from that which we have worked. It is a process that we call success, isn't it? In whatever field we are in, business, agriculture, whatever, we have to sow, right? Brother Phil retired from the insurance industry, yes? And he will tell you, if you don't call those lists, those leads, you're not going to sell anything. You have to sow. You have to put the time in, right? You get a bite, you got to follow up and make sure they sign that dotted line. And then when they sign, the money will come. And then you have to manage that money. Sowing, reaping, gathering. But Jesus is saying, look at the birds. They do none of that. Yet your heavenly father cares for them. 
Can I say to those of us, particularly those of us who have means, you did not provide it for yourself. Because your sowing and reaping and gathering is predicated on the grace of God. You think I'm joking? One sickness. And you can neither sow, reap, or gather. Yes? One problem with the internet, one problem with electricity, one problem with a storm, one problem with an earthquake, one problem with a snow, this and that, and it's over. So who provides for who? You and me for ourselves? Absolutely not. It is God who loves us so much, who cares for us. But what we do is when we get into problems, we tend to think the, you know, about our own inability or inability, a lack thereof, rather than focus on Almighty God. And Jesus is saying, look at the birds. Take a lesson from the birds. They don't care from, for themselves. They are cared for by Almighty God. I, I hope we can see this. Focus on the things that we seem to think bring us success are really not that which bring us success. It is God who brings us success. But the birds, it says, do not sow, reap, and gather. Your heavenly Father, however, feeds them. God can feed you. God can take care of you. And you might see, think that this is only applicable to just economic issues. It is applicable to relational issues. It is applicable to circumstances that are psychological or emotional or physical. God can and will take care of you. Remember the man who came to the Lord and said, Lord, if you will. And Jesus says, listen, I am, I am willing. And not only am I willing, I am able. God is both willing and able to take care of us. That word feed means it's trefoil. It means to provide for. It means it's not just to give you food. It's to take care of your entire being. God will take care. Using this analogy, Jesus wanted to establish the point that God, we are more important than the birds. And if God can take care of the birds and the bees, how much more? Look at the birds. They're, you know, they're here today. And they fly away. They die. And, and God still treats them with much care. And so we who are the crown of God's creation, made in his image of God, in the image, his image, will he not much more care for you? The rationale is that if one is more important than the birds, and the father takes such good care of the birds, how much more will he take excellent care of those who put their trust in him? And I dare say even those who do not put their trust in him, because God falls the rain on the just and on the unjust. Amen? God takes care of people. Prophet, uh, you know, provides for people who do not even serve him. Much less we who put our trust, who decide, I will not worry. But I will see God's glory, trust God's faithfulness, and stop with the worrying. So Jesus further argues 
choosing to trust the Father and his care will lead him to giving the best care to one who is faithful. And therefore, he moves on to another question. He says, which of you, by worrying, is able to add onto your life, your age, a single cubit? It is the contrary. Worrying does not add a cubit to your life. In fact, it takes away a cubit from your life or more. Because uh, Sister Michelle will tell you about coronary thrombosis, the hardening of the arteries. She will tell you about worrying, driving your stress level to the point where it releases hormones in your system that turns around. Hormones that were, were supposed to be used in circumstances of difficulty to give you adrenaline and all of that to fight life. We are doing it every day because we always are worrying and that is turning around. Cortisol is turning around and attacking our system. Driving up our blood pressure. Blood pressure drives up and it tears up our, our kidneys. It pushes our heart over the limit. And so there is a uptick of stroke and heart attacks and you name it. It is time to stop worrying. Have I made my case? Haven't the Lord made his case? The issue is how? Which of you by worrying is able to add to your age? Jesus' question seems to be pretty simple at a glance, but at a closer look, the question reveals a kind of profundity. None of us, we are telling ourselves we have to worry, but none of us by worrying helps anything. See, irony. Instead of helping, we are harming ourselves. We are not able, the word there is do not I. We are not able to add. We are incapable of adding a single minute, hour, space, whatever you want to call it, to our lives by worrying. And we think it's, it's a must. No, it's not. We have been fooled to think that it's a must. It's not a must. We have a choice we can trust. Amen? We can put our trust in God. The structure of the question assumes the negative. Which of you? No one. No one. Please note that Jesus drills down on the consideration that his errors worrying about their basic physiological needs is counterproductive. But he asks another question. In fact, he gives them another thing. He not only does he say, um, stop worrying and, and look at the birds, but he says now, observe the lilies of the field. How they grow. They need a toil nor spin. But I'm saying to you, not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed like one of these. Now I think, is a very serious point because Jesus now has gone into fashion, the fashion industry, right? We're, we're the kind of people we're, we, you know, we, wanna, we always want to look good. And the moment we cannot look good, we have a problem. And Jesus is saying, look at the lilies. They are here today. They are gone tomorrow. Yet God spends such details to beautify things that are here today and gone tomorrow. And it is us that he wouldn't take care of. Wow. I love it. I love it. 
And he asks the question of them, why are you worrying? Why are you worrying? And I want to ask you this morning, why are you worrying? Perhaps because we have not observed enough. We have not observed enough the care and love that God has for you. Your life concerns the Lord. However young or old you are, God sees you. Your friends might not see you. Your family might not see you. The, your pe the people at work, your co-workers. But God sees you. Nothing. The very hairs on your head are numbered. Mine were numbered when I had hair. Each one had a number. Because everything about us matters to God. The pain you feel, the sickness you have, the boy that's given you trouble, the girl, your daughter that is not walking right, is not serving Christ as you want her to do. God sees, knows, and worrying is a slap in his face. And he's saying, just stop. And Jesus is trying to explain to them, don't do this to yourselves. Observe the lily. Jesus makes a comparison with, with Solomon. Not even the richest man, the most well-dressed man, the man with the most money ever in the world was ever dressed like one of these. We at our best cannot outdo God in his care for us. And if the grass of the field today are here and tomorrow are being cast into the furnace, God does clothe. Believe not much more clothe you. Watch this word. Little faith ones. That's one word. So, what Jesus is effectively saying is that worry really is a matter of faith or the lack thereof. Little faith one, and, and when it says little faith ones here, the Greek word here is uh, oligopisto. Oligopisto. Oligopistoi. Plural. He's saying it is not that your faith is small. Right? Because he did say, if your faith is small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and it does it. He's saying that our faith is impoverished. In its nature, its ostensible nature, there is some measure of lack. So it's not how much faith, but it's what kind of faith we have. Amen. It is what kind of faith we have. And Jesus is saying little faith, it is a matter of little faith to think that the, the, the grass God cares for but cannot care for us. It, is, it, it could never be that he's incapable because he made the whole world. So we got to hop off that. It is not that he's not willing because he tells us, I am willing. So we need to hop off of that. So what's the reason? We just need to trust him. Amen. Just trust God. And see what happens. No, but you see, we, uh, we have to have everything all solved. We're in that kind of culture. We put a code in and out comes money. Right? We're an instant gratification culture. And this is a plug for prayer, you know. Go back to God and ask for his help. And he will guide us. O ye of little faith, I present to you that Eliminate worry conclusively, carefully observe, and in our observation, learn how to say, you know what, if God can fall this snow and take care of it, look at the trees. Somebody once said to me, we shall remain nameless, um, why do we call the year new? 
if in the new year there is so much snow and the place is so dry and arid, spring maybe should be new year. But let me say this. Those dry shrubs and trees and stuff by the spring are going to be different. They're going to be beautiful because God is going to renew them. I'm saying no matter how your life looks right now, God can renew it. Let me hasten on. The final point. So we're going to exclusively remove worry. We're going to carefully observe the faithfulness of God in nature and trust that faithfulness. Finally, we're going to constantly seek God's control over our lives. We're going to constantly seek God's control over our lives. Let me hasten on. Note the text. Therefore, do not worry saying what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear. For all these things the nations are seeking. I want us to realize that when he says all these things the nations are seeking, the Greek word there is epizeteo. It, it means they are demanding, they are craving. Translation says the pagans. Really, it's ethnoi or ethnos, which means the nationalities do not know Christ or know God as provider. They are running after these. In fact, the, the NIV says running after. Sometimes worry, as James would tell us, comes from our misplaced desires. We live in a culture of overindulgence. Somebody says, you spend the credit cards, buy all these kind of stuff. And when spring comes, we take the stuff and we pack them into storage. And then we spend the credit card, buy all the... And the problem is, when we can't spend the credit card anymore, we, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Really? We must stop seeking stuff more than we seek God. Because it's the seeking of stuff that drives anxiety. Now don't get me wrong. We need to care for ourselves. There is a quintessential difference between caring for ourselves and just consuming, consuming, inordinately, everything that we see. And these are the days where advertisement is just out of this world. It can sell you anything. Make us think that we need it. We need it. Pastor, I need it. No, you don't. You want it. Because you don't, you can't get it because of the circumstance you, you found yourself at, in at that time. You get into a tizzy, become anxious, depressed, get sick. Jesus says, stop. Leave that to people who do not know God. But then he says something else that is pretty serious. He says, the Gentiles, they seek, they are seeking... But your heavenly father knows that you have need. Not only is he able to care for you, he knows what you need right now. Paul says, my God shall supply all your needs. Why? Because he knows. Is it that you need right now? Right now as you sit in this congregation, is it that you need? He knows what you need. Here's what is called for here. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. Your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Seek first the kingdom, and all these things shall be added. Now, 
When people here seek the kingdom, they're like, oh, wow, the kingdom. We are going to heaven then. No, that's not what the text is saying. The word kingdom there is a Greek word, basileos. And that word can also mean, away from the place that God lives, it can also mean the reign of God over our lives. So instead of worrying, we need to search for, pursue, crave control of God, his way of living. Because when we seek the control of God and God gets a hold of our lives, then we can be certain that all of the things will be given. Because God is not an absentee father. He's not a father that cannot care. Jesus says, listen, you're not going to ask for bread and he gives you stone. You're not going to ask for fish and he gives you serpent. You who are fathers, regular fathers, human fathers, know how to give good gifts. How much more your heavenly father to seek God, not goods. Defy our culture. Seek God. Stop, as Paul says, allowing the, the world to, to, to conform us, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Allowing the Holy Spirit to get a hold of you, to fill you, allowing God to control you, seeking first God's reign. Who is king in your life? If you are king, you're in trouble. If I am king, I'm in trouble because we are finite. We are weak. But God is infinite. Infinitely loving, infinitely powerful, infinitely caring, infinitely gracious. He stopped. Life is hard. As one friend says, choose your heart. You can choose to worry yourself sick. You can choose to put your trust in God, deciding I will not worry. To gain encouragement, look outside. Go look at what God is doing. Carefully observe what's happening in the world. Still the caring business. Finally, you do that constantly, constantly. Because that word, if I time, I would have told you that that word, seek, in the present continuous tense. It's seek every day. Seek, never stop seeking. It's rain in your life. All of the things shall be added. Don't worry about tomorrow. The, the troubles of tomorrow are already set. We need to be concerned about is God's ability to carry us through tomorrow because of his care and because we have thrown ourselves in him. Amen.